Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the Dare to Care with Michelle show, the show where we talk about not just how to care, but why to care. I'm your host, Michelle Wyman, and I've been a nurse for 30 years. I've always wanted to share the things that I've witnessed, the miracles that I've been a part of, but Dare to Care is so much more than one nurse's story. Dare to Care is a movement. Dare to Care is about stories from all over the world of people who show up not just to fill a role, but to follow their calling. It's about people who dare to care. And why do they care? Because caring is cool. And thank you for joining us on Dare to Care with Michelle, the place where we talk about not just how to care, but why to care. With us today is my very good friend, Chris Dyer. Chris is an intuitive breakthrough coach for entrepreneurs, offering a unique experience of training and self-healing modalities to create lasting impact and results for her clients. She is a certified health, life, and leadership coach and a personal trainer with over 30 years of experience with clinical education, leadership, sales, marketing, and entrepreneurship. She is a national best-selling author and international speaker and legacy creator in her other business endeavors. Her Science of Success series and programs teach her clients how to quickly identify the root cause of blockages and are shown actionable steps to align their energy and habits to create sustainable momentum and growth. These processes allow them to release past traumas and self-sabotaging behaviors to create room for clarity, courage, and confidence so they more powerfully own their successes, expand their possibilities, and have more zest and fulfillment in their life, relationship, and businesses. She offers many ways for entrepreneurs to work together with her, either through group facilitations or one-on-one focus time. Her expansive question is, how far do you want to go and how fast? Everyone, please welcome my friend, Chris Dyer. Hi, Chris. Hey, Michelle. How are you today? I'm awesome. Thank you. The energy here is phenomenal. I absolutely love it. I love having you on here. I'm so excited to have you in Vegas, even though we haven't gotten together since you've been living here, but we will. Um, can you tell our our peeps a little bit about your background, your history? Oh, gosh, there, there's a lot of chapters in that book. Let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think I really started started my adulting journey. I, I was sort of a late bloomer, and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to be when I grew up and when I when I finished high school. But I, I found um, I was I always knew I was going to be a scientist or a teacher, or and now I'm both. Right? It's like nice. I've manifested everything that I imagined myself to be um, <laughs> when I was growing up. And um, yeah, I, I sort of call myself a, a little bit of a spiritual scientist now. Um, how, how that's evolved. But uh, my, yeah, my 20s, I actually went to x-ray school. And so I have that wow. x-ray imaging background. And that's where I actually met my future husband. However, I was previously married during that time frame. Um, so my current husband and I have um, a long, you know, 30 plus years in healthcare. And, um, and he started in imaging as much as I did. And 
And then I went from imaging to education and then into x-ray and imaging sales is where I really developed my backbone and really learning how to step out of my comfort zone. And what does it mean to be, you know, a, a woman working in a male dominated industry in a male dominated territory. So that really, um, that was big growing out of my comfort zone. And so there's a, lo a lot of overarching themes of courage in my backstory. Yeah. Radiology is a tough, uh, tough position for a woman, especially, you know, I don't, uh, remember seeing a lot of, of women in radiology as I was uh, making my journey through uh, nursing, through my nursing uh, world. Um, and then, so you and I met as you were on this uh, stage of ultimate speaker competition and uh, in Colorado Springs, that was a lot of fun. And I, and it's one of my favorite places now because that's where my new grandbaby lives. <laughs> Oh, so, congratulations. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. He was just born uh, two weeks ago. Uh, ben Benjamin, Benji. Oh, uh, yeah, he's in Colorado Springs. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you and I, uh, we, we ended up kind of, I, I, you introduced me to your husband. That's where I'm going uh, because he's a physician's assistant, and I'm I'm putting together a book for um, healthcare providers and healthcare professionals. And you brought Eric into my world too. And then we were talking. He and I were talking because he's actually leaving healthcare. He's part of the Great Resignation. Um, you know. And so, tell me a little bit about what's going on in your world with that. With helping your husband leave the, a nice, easy, steady job and jumping into entrepreneurship. That's pretty, pretty well, fun. <laughs> well, easy is a relative word now, isn't it? I it mean, is. It is. <laughs> you are, you continue to work in healthcare. And so, and, and me stepping back is I'm, I'm, I am the ultimate observer of what's going on in the world and nature. And it had actually occurred to me several years ago. I mean, before it was actually the great exodus. It's like they, we actually, as a, as a nation, we're, we're going to be struggling with the attrition of qualified healthcare professionals. Um, also education, right? Yes. I mean, the yes. teachers are also enduring their, their own, their own struggles, but what about EMTs? What about other public servants, right? We, we live in this technology heavy stage in, in our current world and I don't know that there's a lot of emphasis on in high schools and career counseling or whatever on these nurturing occupations. What's going to happen when we're in our 70s, 80s, and 90s? And, and you know, who's going to be replacing the current healthcare providers, the nurses, the, the qualified, right. you know, the MDs? They're bringing in, you know, doctors from other na nations to take care of our sick right now. Um, so there, there's a opportunity there, but there's also an opportunity whereas. We also need to be better advocates for our own health and wellness. Yes. And, and so, yes, yeah, so a part of my husband's story, Eric, um, yeah, he was burnt out. COVID did it, right? I did as it has <laughs> with a lot of healthcare professionals. I mean, if you're still in healthcare, hats off to you and thank you for your service as if you were, you know, on a front line somewhere serving for the military. Yeah. There, it, there really needs to be an awareness and a shift of truly what the priorities are um, you know, there's so much money being given to like sports teams and right. There's so much money being spent on things that we consider frivolous, but we don't want to put money into education. We don't want to put money into 
good quality health care and the things that are really going to sustain us and, and give us the capacity to thrive as, as a as a nation. Um, sorry if I'm going a little bit deeper than you wanted to. No, but... I, you know, I've talked to, you know, because a lot of my the people that come on on, our, on my podcast are in the in nurses and we just feel like we're watching the collapse of the healthcare system right before our eyes. And we're, we're all getting older and we're going, who's going to be here soon, you know? Mm -hmm. And then even these young, these young kids who are going through nursing school right now, they, they don't get a chance to during COVID, they did not get a chance to touch patients. And now they're teaching the next group. They're already, they already have a couple of years in, and they're teaching the next group and nobody, no, you know, nobody touches their patients. No, they're all afraid of, of getting in there. And yes, you're, you're a hundred percent right. You, you know, we've got to start taking some responsibility for taking care of our own health, you know, and taking care of our family members health and, and doing what we can to, to protect ourselves and, it's going to be interesting. You know, it's going to be an interesting few years. I a hundred percent. So no, you aren't going deeper than I, I wanted at all. I love, I love it. You yeah. can, you know, it's, you talk to me about healthcare all day and we can, <laughs> right. You know, this, that's my comfort zone. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I stepped out of healthcare. Um, and when I actually started my first business in 2005, um, and I left on my own terms because the imaging practice that I was managing um, we, we had multiple, multiple clinics and facilities and it, it was, it was acquired from a bigger organization and being in, then it was middle management. Well, that's not a very comfortable place to be. Yeah. And, and so I left on my own terms, but I never, but I didn't leave because I didn't love what I was doing. I still love, um, people investing in people, making sure they're comfortable and cared for. And, you know, imaging was a great way for me to be the scientific nerd and also give that amazing patient care at the same time. And, um, and it was a labor of love. And I actually, actually before, um, I started my business, that's, that's when I went into education. I was a clinical instructor. I went back and taught after I finished my four-year degree, went back and taught at the same college that graduated me as an x-ray tech. And that was a very, very, gratifying experience yeah. um but but you know there, there's some certain criticisms or rules that I learned about my life and and one of them was in in a clinical situation where I was side by side with an adult student mind you I was probably the same age as these adults coming through the program and what's interesting as a supervisor I actually had mentors that were you know teachers and guides when I was in the program that were decades older than me and I ended up being their supervisor, right? So that takes leadership and being able to be an effective team leader across multiple age groups and um, what, what a privilege that was. But, you know, we all have the opportunity to be the student and the teacher. It doesn't matter what your age is, right? right? And, and so I loved that I could learn as much from the students as they were learning from me. And what was really gratifying was actually acknowledging that to them. It's like, you know what? There's, there's no hierarchy here. You know, we're peers. I mean, yes, I'm your, your educator in, in that role, right? but I can also learn from you. And, and I always, always acknowledged and appreciated when they could teach me something that I didn't already know, because we're all here to learn and grow. Um, and so there was, there was no drama around that. I, that, that, that was, that was <laughs> one of my criticisms. Number one, it's like, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. We have something to learn from every single person and in connection 
you know, yes. and making people feel like they have value to contribute. It doesn't, we don't, we don't need to um, separate ourselves. Yeah. And there are a lot of people do that. You're a hundred percent, you know, the uh, people look at me even, and they, and because I've been in this for 30 years, I've been a nurse for 30 years and they look at me and they think, oh, well, you already know this or you are, I know, show me, show me, show me your new techniques, show me your new, new style. Um, and then let's talk about how, how we merge the two styles and not just, you know, not just kind of, um, okay, we can both learn from it. Mm -hmm. And it's a hundred percent, uh, I, you know, it's, um, interesting. I, I love teaching. I, and I love teaching new nurses. Um, and sometimes new nurses are 40 years old, 50 years old, mm -hmm. and that's okay. You know, I, I love all of that. Um, and so what is, tell me a little bit about your coaching business. Well, yeah, well, well, coaching is a, is a natural evolution and we say, I mean, if you've ever been a mother, if you've ever been a teacher, if you've ever been an instructor of any kind, if you've had any role where you've been an inspiration to educate and lift, uplift somebody else, you've been a coach, right? Yes. I mean, coach is just such a analogous term that means so many different things. And so, I mean, we could say I've been coaching for 30 years, right? But just now it's like, oh, I'm going to put the coach hat on. This is what I'm going to call myself. And I don't really subscribe to labels. And yet I've always been a coach. I've always been an educator. I've always been a teacher. I want to inspire someone else to move forward in their journey. Um, so this has been a natural evolution. You know, I going back to being an instructor, being a lead, being a leadership position. And then when I had my first business, I also jumped into the fitness world and the health and wellness space and became a health coach and a, and a personal trainer and use group fitness group fitness exercise as my stage if you will so i've been on stages for years <laughs> and i'm just now it's like oh well yeah i've already done this this isn't new and so that that's part of kind of how i help people is like i help them realize all these skill sets and assets they already have they already have experience in it's just you're just using it in a different capacity so really showing people how they can really step up in a bigger way and stop categorizing and labeling things oh it has to look just like this it's like no you've, you've already done it all right and it's maybe there's um there's a little bit of fear there's a little bit of emotions or or you know just limiting beliefs that are keeping them from truly stepping into the biggest version of themselves and so i help i help people mainly women in our age group navigate through that mm -hmm. um you know we didn't have the resources and in, in the the exposure to all the teachers and guides and mentors and all these amazing podcasts and books that now we're um we have the privilege of we didn't have that 20 30 years ago right all we knew right. is what we were taught <laughs> right. and if it wasn't great for us if we were living with someone else's fears and insecurities that were projected onto us well Heck, I carried that around for decades and I could have let that, that I could have let that stuff go a long time ago, right? Yeah, there is baggage that we we hold on to for a long time. And it's kind of funny because we're carrying around our our parents' baggage. You know, we it we don't have enough of our own that we grow, but we carry our parents' baggage with us. And we have to as we have to do self-work and and work on our, our inner self to be able to release our parents' baggage and our own. You know, it's difficult. It's it's very, and that's what you do. That's what you you help people do is find their blocks and find their, their 
limiting beliefs and their help them drop their parents' baggage and and on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's more than just parents. I mean, it's other imprinting that happened to us. You know, somebody said something to us in school that we've held on to and that's been buried in our subconscious. And do do you remember Weird, Weird Al Yankovic in the yeah. Like a Surgeon video? I mean, yeah. I'm very musical <laughs> and I, I adore Weird Al Yankovic because he's just so fun and snarky and and back to that science nerd. But you know, I, I sort of gave myself this this pseudo or alter ego um the self-sabotage surgeon right okay. helping people really pull out those old wounds um otherwise we're just covering up with band-aids and stuff and distractions and when unless we take the band-aid off and it may be uncomfortable and just like really get to the bottom of where that emotion's coming from that keeps bubbling up because if you don't take the band-aid off do the time and 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 investigate and observe without judgment where it's coming from it's going to keep coming up right. in different ways at different times in another decade it's like okay let's just deal with it now and then you got the rest of the 30 years of your life it's like oh i'm you're no longer living in your past those those past emotions and feelings and and all that trauma drama doesn't come up anymore yeah but, yeah that's uh it's really fascinating and it's uh you know it's gonna you have to figure out with your people, like you said, it's not how far, just how far you want to go, but how fast do you want to go? Mm -hmm. um, are we going to take the bandaid off like just a little bit at a time? Or are we going to go and rip it? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and our human paradigm is, is we don't want to be uncomfortable. Right? right. And so part of my story and, you know, stuff, something I don't share a whole lot of is, you know, I, I went through, there were three periods in my life that I actually thought the world would be better off without me. And I never did anything with that just because that my, my subconscious knows me better than me. I have that, that courageous gene in me. Um, I just forgot who I was temporarily, but I also went through some anxiety and actually lived through a long period of my adulthood on antidepressants for 17 years because wow. I wasn't ready. I didn't know how to process emotions. And yet I still needed to be strong and independent and be the single mom and do all the things and be all the things for all the people. And, you know, that's part of that's the parental taping, right? I mean, I had an amazing mother who was a, a, a beautiful nurse. I mean, a lifelong career nurse. And that's what she did was take care of other people. But when your own emotional needs aren't being met and all you see is somebody, all, all they did was work all the time and give, give, give to other people and not yeah. give back to themselves. Well, yeah, we can do better. Right. Yeah. You know, as a nurse, and I often worried about that with my kids because I did, uh, you know, I, I work, 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 work because I'm, I'm trying to put them through private school and I was married, uh, but I'm, I'm putting them through private school. I'm putting them through all their sports, you know, all their different sports and stuff like that. And in the meantime, like, well, mom, all you do is work, mom, you missed my concert. Uh, you know, mom, you, you missed this game or that game. And I, that the guilt that we get as parents of, of that, you know, is, is hard. I will tell you, my mom was in the future nurses of America club, but that was when she was actually pregnant with me. So that's why I, I never had a choice, but to be a nurse because I was in the future nurses of America club in utero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it, anyway, uh, so your husband is a, uh, he is, like we already said, he's physician's assistant creating uh, entrepreneur, 
job. Let's talk a little bit about that because my husband's also an entrepreneur. So we, you know, we both are going through similar situation where we're helping our spouse while building our own, build their business while we're building our own business. Um, what, what, give me some thoughts on, on that, some tips on how women can do, you know, how they can do that, how they can help their spouse while create an entrepreneur business while, while creating their own. Well, and I'm not going to be disrespectful, but you know, men can be overgrown children, right? Oh, for sure. (laughs) It's like you're, it's almost like you're, you're kind of raising a kid, especially when they're going, they're brand new as an entrepreneur. You're, you're still a kid. You're, you're going back and relearning, right? Right. Something how to do. I mean, when you've been in healthcare for 30 years and that's all you really know how to do very well. And when when you take that big step and leap of faith, like he went straight from a W-2 employment opportunity to an entrepreneur where you're totally 100% on your own. Right. Um, and which is why he went the franchise route, because when you when you when you enter into a franchise, you have the systems and the processes and you have the backup from the from the parent office. Well, because of that, I was very hands off. I didn't want to be the helicopter wife telling him how to run his business, even though I'd been doing this for years. Um, I, I was very hands off. And so I, you know, I continued to live in the other state in Colorado because I have my own business, you know, my, my labors of love that I'm still working with. And it wasn't enough. This he needed more support. Right. Um, he he was in a state of isolation. When you are in a state of isolation and you're in a panic situation, things aren't going like he didn't. He had not yet developed the the tenacity, the resilience of having that, the ability to take those ninety nine yo no's before he got to the yes. Right. right. I mean that's. And he he went in, he went in a spiral. He, he started spiraling down and I was trying to re- recall and remind him who he is because he forgot who he was. Yeah. And that's part of the job as a strong supporting wife is to help your partner remember who they are when they're in their darkest time, when they're not seeing the results that they want, that they, they're not giving them that pat on the back with encouragement. They're not getting it from anybody else. And, um, you know, I, I tried to convey to him how important being connected in other groups of people. And that, that was a skill set he hadn't learned because he was a traveling, you know, right. traveling nurses and, and um, physicians assistants. I mean, they do great. You know, they can hit the ground running. It's a very nomadic lifestyle. They're, financially, it's a great thing for some right. people. And for him, it worked because he didn't have to really make connections with people. And because he was always transient, he'd get somewhere for 13 weeks, he'd leave. Right? I mean, <laughs> they're they're yeah he, he's had to learn how to be a connector to other humans and not just for business because he needed to be he needed to have a tribe of people and, and so yeah, i know you asked sure. me it's like what what are what are my my three recommendations for being a strong supportive partner when you have a business uh, another person living in your home who's also building a business it's um you know defining better boundaries for right. yourself for your energy, the people you hang around in your time. That's, you know, um, because we are not only holding up our end, we're helping them to hold up their end as well. Yeah. The n- number two is make your self-care, your success routine, non-negotiable. That's the only way that you're going to be able to um, emotionally regulate the ups and downs of the entrepreneur lifestyle. And I don't right. like to use, I don't like to use the word roller coaster. Um, to me, it's a little cliche and somebody's already written a book about it. 
um, actually a couple of people. <laughs> um, I think when you when you have an amazing self-care, self-love routine, it's giving your body everything it needs to to recover. I mean, rest and recovery. You know, right. it's, it's it's fine to push, 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 but are you really giving yourself time to recover? And, and as you know, the body is, is an amazing organism with multiple moving systems and parts that work beautifully together when you give them the basic things they need. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, yeah. and so we, as humans, we feel like we have to complicate it. It's like, Oh, I need this and I need that. And I need this distraction to help cope with really what's the underlying problem. So being super, super religious in, in your own personal success routine. Um, but the third one is, is to have a tribe or create one. You need a strong, strong support system of people, not necessarily in business. They, they could be, um, I wouldn't say family necessarily because friends are the family you create for yourself. Not True all story. family um, offers that type of energy that's required. I mean, entrepreneurs really have to maintain a high level of energy to be, to thrive and to be successful and to weather the, um, the ins and outs. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that um, entrepreneurship, and this is what I've noticed with Christoph, and this, I'm just starting to journey into the entrepreneur world. Uh, but with my husband, I, I would get home from work, and I'm exhausted, right? I am so tired. And he's like, chat, 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 because he hasn't talked to a human all day. He's talked to the phone, which is a human on the other end, but he's not talked to people. He's in I get home from work and I'm so tired and I just want to go to bed. And he says, Oh, let's go out tonight. And I'm going, are you serious? <laughs> but because being an entrepreneur can be a lonely, it can be a lonely world. It's uh, similar. My mom uh, knows, you know, and I were talking about my journey and she said, you know, it's just like when Don re retired, my stepdad retired recently and all of a sudden now he doesn't have to get up and go to work every day. And, and it's, it's completely different. I said, well, I still have to get up and go to work. It's just, I go to work in a different place, but I, I am up every day um, that I'm not working and in here in the office, uh, causing, creating some kind of magic <laughs> or contacting my people like my friend, Chris and, uh, and, and doing interviews, you know, it's uh, so much fun. Um, yeah, it's so what is uh, what tell us about a little bit about embellished butterflies. I know you didn't offer to talk about that, but it's a pretty important thing, too. It is because what it started out as in 2019 has totally evolved into um, it's a movement and it's a ministry and it's a mission for me. Um, embellished butterfly is a business that started out, you know, when I you know, I mentioned to you that I started in 2005 and I, and I was an online reseller and I had some success with that. And, and my why was I was still raising my teenage kids and I wanted to be a work at home mom and right. have, be able to give them the time as much as the other necessities for them to, you know, finish up their, um, you know, living at home phase, but also help put my husband through school. So that's just a testament to the work ethic and the can do attitude and just um, pushing along to, to make that happen. So my family was my why in my first iteration of what quote unquote success looks like. And that's relative to everybody. Um, so when that ran its course, I knew I wanted to create something more fulfilling. 
And I've always been, I always identify as artistic, highly creative. I love using that part of my, um, my being and who I am. And I inherited that from my grandmother. (laughs) And I realized that last year when I, when I, when she went home, Uh uh, she transitioned and I, it's like, yeah, I, I see it now. You know, she, she would take, she came from the depression era. She would take ordinary things and make them extraordinary, right? right? Just with her creative talents. And that's in a sense what I do. But I don't create for myself. I love to create and give. Um, there's no, there's not as much inherent joy for me just to sit and create something beautiful. It means more to me the intention and the energy that goes into every single thing that I would ever make, with the joy of knowing that I was going to make somebody's day or make them smile or help them have an amazing event or um, just help them ease their their burden. You know, when we talk about the word service. When you break down the word service to its most basic root form, it's to ease the burden of someone else. Right. You know, you you do that in healthcare, right? You're make you're helping somebody heal their body. Um, that that's a service. That's a, you're easing a burden of a not well body. Well, any act of kindness, that's an act of service. And yes. so Embellished Butterflies started by creating personalized, customized gifts with Swarovski crystals. Swarovski crystals was the medium that I chose because I love sparkly things and I wanted to bring joy and color and beauty back into my, into my world, but nobody knew who I was. And as much success as I had online in the eBay and Amazon space, you know, Etsy was a different animal and it's a very loud, crowded marketplace. And the level of time, the, the quality and the investment of the components that I use, well, you know, it's, it's a middle of a high tier client that would appreciate right. the beauty and the essence of, you know, a custom created gift by hand with Swarovski crystals. And so Etsy was, it's not my, my, I don't brag about it. It's, it's there kind of as a, a show place for now until I have the, the wherewithal to create my own web store. And I have resources to help me out with that now. But um, I knew that I needed to meet people and get out because I was working exclusively behind the computer screen before I learned what it meant to connect, to put myself out there, knowing people weren't going to find me. I needed to go out to them. And that's when I started um, creating relationships through networking opportunities. Um, And the relationships that I've been able to cultivate, you know, to me, that's the true success story. Yeah. And, you know, when I wanted to scale my business, and initially I was going to turn to military wives and spouses. This is pre-COVID. Uh-huh. Because I knew they would, they're very transient. They want to make a part-time income around the, um, the comfort of their home or around their family schedule. Right. And then, and then I got my very first, well, let's back up, um, to be able to support that model, to scale, to be able to give the work to other people. I knew I needed a volume. Well, selling one or two things on Etsy a couple of times a week, isn't going to support that model. And that that's when I knew that I needed to change my marketing to more corporate and retail wholesale retail, not just um, retail. And I um, did a presentation after doing quite a bit of homework to the Broadmoor Hotel, which is a five-star, five-diamond resort hotel in Colorado Springs. And they are still to this day, my number one retail client, but they appreciated the time that I took to customize items specifically for them with their logo, with their golden B on it um, as gifts for their guests that come through the hotel that want to take home a souvenir or memento that reminds them of their experience and their stay at the Broadmoor Hotel. 
Um, and, and so, yeah, I created that entire first order and then everything shut down two weeks later after I delivered. That oh order. no. Like that. It's okay. You know, yeah. it, it really is a beautiful story, <laughs> but you know, I still kept in contact with them, even though they were shut down, they were on a skeleton crew, you know, all of their, right. their, um, you know, their housekeeping and guest services, all those people were furloughed while all the hotel, I mean, hospitality services, right. I mean, there was non-existent right. dur during 2020. Well, at the end of 2020, things opened back up and um, I met a woman who's a member of another women's networking group and she has a business that matches adults with special capabilities or disabilities um, with their employers, uh, ideal employers in the community. And she says, Chris, I have a client who I think would be a perfect fit for your production model. And wow. it's like, oh, I hadn't considered working with special needs adults. Right. But knowing who I am, I've already been an educator. I know how to teach people how to do what I do. Right. And I have the heart and the inclination and the patience required because you, you do have to slow down to teach and educate people who have learning disabilities. Um, and we, and actually there's another word that I like to use that uh, came up and I can't think of it right now, but anyway, you know, they, they have multiple, and I don't like using the word disabilities. I call them um, superpowers. Handicapables. Handy yeah. So I'm very careful about my language because I know everybody comes to this world with a gift. Right. You know, and we all have disabilities too. <laughs> yeah, we do. Exactly. It's all how that label is like, I hate labels. Oh my goodness. Yes. But, but no, I, I always knew that everybody came to this world with a gift and we spent all of our lives, you know, trying to figure out what that purpose and that gift is. Um, and I know with me being able to share this opportunity, um, a beauty, creating beautiful products, whatever, that doesn't all come through me anymore. You know, I'm still the the creative eyeballs. I'm still the marketing right. um, arm, if you will, but I get to give this opportunity to other adults to be able to create. You're the very high functioning on the spectrum. Some of them have ADHD. Some of them have Tourette's. Some of right. them have other, other components to their superpower. And it, what a beautiful ministry to be able to serve the special needs community. And from that, I've attracted other people who are also entrepreneurs that are also working in different regards with the special needs community. It's like, yeah, this is it. I asked the universe to bring me a bigger why. Yeah. Right. I mean, when, when you, when you have a super big goal, there has to be a purpose behind it outside of yourself. It can't all be about you. And I never wanted my business to be just about me, but in the beginnings it kind of was until life happened a pandemic happened yeah and, and yet the universe brought me an opportunity and it's like okay I can do this <laughs> and I did it and um we're still doing it it's been an amazing beautiful relationship not only with this uh, the, with this adult woman but her family we were advocating on her behalf as a team it's a team effort um so that's my purpose just continue marketing and sharing what we're doing in our ministry and um and yeah, so now from that, you know, I've been asked to be a vice president of another nonprofit that is helping to provide educational um, structures and academies for the special needs kids who are high, who are on the spectrum and have ADHD and they That's need so that cool. extra sensory um, compassion and teachers that are supported. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a nationwide opportunity. Um, and I'm, I'm in my own little way, creating more awareness by just how I'm showing up. 
I, yeah. I absolutely love that. I, one of, I, one of my first interviews was with a young lady named Alyssa and she has uh, cerebral palsy mm-hmm. and she's a nurse, uh, you know, and she has just a little bit of disability or, uh, um, you know, she uses a cart instead of just walking, you know, by herself and she doesn't use a walker, but she uses a cart and then she's able to put her nursing stuff on there. But she's, yeah, I, I said as hard on the body as nursing is, as healthcare is to, for me, for the regular person, but to have a body that uh, fights against you at times is, is just remarkable. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just so proud of her. You know, she's, she's one of my nurses. She's one of my, my baby nurses that I just am, uh, have taken under my wing and, and guard her. Not that she ever needs it, you know, <laughs> right? you know, but it's just a, a, a good, it's amazing to watch her mm-hmm. move along. Um, do you have any last words for us, Ms. Chris? Cause we are running out of time today. I think I've, I've done a lot of talking and I haven't really uh, given you a lot of opportunity to ask questions. No, I, I feel truly fulfilled. Um, I've learned to allow things to happen. Um, I think I know as entrepreneurs, we, we tend to push, we team, we tend to put timelines on, oh, it has to be this way. It has to, I have to make this much money. It has to look just like this. It's like, yeah, no, if we, if we're truly honoring ourselves in, in the work that we're here called to do, um, and do the healing for sure, because I, it's just like a social media post I did today. It's like, my dreams are much bigger than any drama, anybody else's drama, including my own. So wherever you're creating drama from old emotions, old feelings, old, old stories, it's like, let's rewrite it. Let's make it a success story because everybody has a success story inside of them. For sure. I, I agree. And um, let me ask you one uh, last couple of questions. Um, what does the word dare mean to you? Um, it's audacity. It's courage. It's courage. courage to get up and go again, no matter what, to, to be uncomfortable that. and do it anyway. And then what about care? Service. So you, you just want us to have the, the, the courage and the audacity to keep getting up and serving people. Yeah. I love that. That's dare to care. <laughs> Thank you so much, Miss Chris. We appreciate you so much for being here on uh, Dare to Care with Michelle. And I want all of our uh, people listening to remember that caring is cool. Yes. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us today. We love and appreciate your support and feedback. Positive reviews are always welcome. Make sure you follow and like so that you'll be notified of each entertaining and informative episode. Till next time, this is Michelle Renee Wyman. And remember that caring is cool. So now it's your turn. Go show someone that you care today.